Good morning. Welcome to Life Community Church. My name is Kyle. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm glad that you are here for the grand finale. We are in week six of a series, and we're wrapping up this week a series entitled There is an Enemy. Now, if you've missed any part of this series, you're going to want to go back and watch them. But just in case you missed, let me just kind of catch you up where we've been. We started week one saying, whether you know it or not, whether you want to admit it, there is an enemy and he's out to destroy you. One of the greatest lies the enemy ever told us is that he doesn't exist. But if you're not aware of the devil, he's going to, bam, sucker punch you. That was week one. Week two, we said, yes, there's an enemy, but don't be too worried because the enemy's not that powerful. He only has the power that you and I give him in our lives. Week three, we started uh, two weeks looking at Jesus being tempted. And the first week, the first temptation we looked at was the temptation we all have is to have an identity that is achieved instead of received. Week four, the temptation uh, was to avoid suffering. And we talked about how we get messed up when we think that God's goal or vision for our lives is to avoid suffering. We're not prepared for hard times. And then we begin to blame God or ourselves or others and forget that this is just part of life. Last week, we started this passage we're going to look at today, Ephesians chapter 6. And we looked at this word schemes. We said that the devil's got schemes that uses your strengths and your weaknesses against you. But the good news is that Jesus does what we called Jesus judo last week, where he turns all things around for your good. And this week, we wrapped up this, wrap up the series in what I think is going to be a powerful powerful and challenging word that God has for you today. So let's dive in. Ephesians chapter 6. We'll begin reading in verse 10. We'll go all the way through 18. Let's hit it. Ephesians 6 verse 10. This is like the crescendo. This is the grand finale. This is the cue, the lights, the music, the horn, the conductor. It's all the big finish right here in Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Finally, be strong in the Lord, in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Did you hear that? The battle that you and I are facing is not against flesh and blood. It's against the evil one and his forces. But friends, we're going to be honest. We're just going to jump in. There's no warm up in this sermon. You better get ready. Put on your seatbelt because we're going to go. I think the biggest problem that we're having in our world right now is we forget who we're fighting. Instead of fighting the evil one, we're fighting each other. And when we fight each other, the devil doesn't even have to show up to the fight. He can just stand back and eat his popcorn. Look at them. They're all fighting with each other. Oh, you know it's true. You see, we forget that our fight is with the devil, and we think our fight is with the Democrats or the Republicans. We've taken our fight, and who are we fighting against? We're fighting against Trump or Newsom. We're fighting against that person who is pro-mask or anti-mask or whatever it may be. We think we're fighting against the school system. We think we're fighting against this. And we think we're fighting against people. And then the devil doesn't even have to show up. Why? Because we just attack each other. 
It doesn't matter if you're neighbors. It doesn't matter if you're family. It doesn't matter who you are. We just attack one another because we don't agree sometimes. And we don't know how to disagree. We just know how to attack, to shame, to name call. Oh, I know we're getting really real really quick. But let's just be clear. The way I understand scripture, what the Bible teaches is that every single human being is created in God's image. Every single one of us, you and me, we were all created to be sons and daughters of God. And if I can just be real for a minute, if you talked about my son, Josiah, my seven-year-old, Noah, my four-year-old, if you talked about my son the same way that you talked about Trump or Newsom, I would go postal. You see, you think that they're the enemy. You think that human beings are the enemy. But last time I checked, they're all created in God's image. Jesus died on the cross for every single one of them. And when we name call, when we blame people who disagree with us, politicians who we don't agree with, what we do is we deny them of our, their humanity. We fight against each other and the devil gets to win. You see, friends, what I want to tell you is that human beings are not your enemy. Human beings are hostages in this fight. In this battle between good and evil, what's happened is human beings have been taken prisoner. They've been used in the schemes of the devil to hurt one another. Or in our hurt, in our brokenness, people will do something, say something, or maybe not do something you hoped they would do, and somehow accidentally it gets hurt. And the devil knows the things that make you insecure, or the things that make you angry, or the things that tick you off. And what does he do? He just twists. He just twists until we fight with each other. And we fight against flesh and blood and not against the powers of evil. So friends, I just want to tell you, no matter how you may disagree with someone, that person is created in God's image. And the way, the, way, the way you treat them matters. And we're just gonna go really clear. I think the way you treat them matters, the way you talk to and about them matters significantly more than what you actually believe about any one of these controversies our life and our nation is going through right now. Don't let the devil suck you in to be his hostage and his weapon in this battle. Do not fight against humans. Fight against evil. So that's where we start. Ephesians 6, let's go on. 13. Therefore, because we're not going to fight against each other, we're going to fight against the devil. I just pointed the sky for devil. Because we're going to fight against the devil. I hope you're laughing online. Uh, don't worry. All right, let's try this again. Verse 13. Therefore, the force, ooh, I'm sorry. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able, be able to stand your ground and after you are done with everything, you may stand. Verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted ready with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And 18, and pray 
Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Keep always, always keep praying for the saints. You see, when Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, we know for sure he's arrested. He's likely in jail, but we know for almost certainty that he is literally chained to a Roman soldier. He has been captured. He's been thrown in jail for his faith. And so he's sitting there and he's looking at a Roman soldier. And as he's penning this, as he's writing this, or as, actually as he's dictating this letter, he looks up and he sees this Roman soldier and says, this would be a good illustration. The people of Ephesus will understand what this means. But... Most of us maybe haven't seen a Roman soldier, so let me illustrate what this may look like. Go ahead and welcome Chris Fredericks, our awesome youth pastor. You can clap at home. You can do some clap emojis in the chat. Bring uh, Chris up here. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, good. Talking about Mike, have you, uh, have you ever been a Roman soldier before? No, I've been a clown, but never a Roman soldier. Okay, that's a good story for later. Maybe we can like put that in the video later. We yeah, can do that. Okay, good. Sure. Uh, so here we go. Thank you for helping me here. So... We're going to do some Halloween, and we're going to dress you up like a Roman soldier, okay? So it begins. Get the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Now, uh, okay, this is not what a Roman soldier would look like, but just pretend with me for a little bit. You see, when we wear belts, we usually wear belts for one of two reasons. One is for fashion. Boom. See how my belt and my shoes match? That's fashion right there. I like that. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, the other reason we wear it is because uh, our pants or our, really our waistline is either too big or too small and we need to keep our drawers in place. But in antiquity, they didn't have these sleek form-fitting fashions that we have today. What do they got? They essentially would go and like drape themselves in like a bed sheet. Mm, snuggie. Snuggie. Yeah. You put on a snuggie. And then you put on another layer of a Snuggie, and you put another, and then what do you got? You got all sorts of extra fabric right here. And if you go to like swing and hit someone, boom, what would you do? You would get all tangled in your stuff. And so what happens is you've got all this extra fabric. And so what do they do? They put on a belt. Let me, help me put this belt on. They put on this belt. Why? Just to keep everything nice and tight. Ready? How tight was that? That was good. Okay, that's good. You can still breathe? Yeah. But now, what happens is this belt, we're going to do it again. Ha! Get all my anger and frustration out from the coronavirus. Um, and now he is fitted. And now he's not going to have all those little distractions that prevent him from doing what he as a soldier is called to do. So first, put on the belt of truth around your waist. Second, the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness our uh, high school interns, they help, they're our prop department. Give them some love. Woo-hoo! How do you put this on, Chris? There you go. So this is the breastplate of righteousness. Now, when a person puts on a breastplate, there's an assumption that they're going to get hit. When someone puts on a breastplate, it knows that they are under attack. And what I want to tell you is when God tells you to put on a a breastplate, it is to guard and protect your heart. Proverbs says, guard and protect your heart, decision to protect your life. And what God is saying is that you will be protected. Yes, you will get hit. 
Yes, but instead of it killing you, it will just hurt you. Friends, if you are going to live a wholehearted, God-honoring life, there will be moments where your heart will take a hit. You will be betrayed by a friend. A family member will mistreat you. Someone at work will hurt you. There will be things that hurt your heart, and it will feel like an attack, but it won't kill you. You might be a little bruised. You might be a little hurt. You might be a little sore for a few days, but God is saying, I'm sending you to battle. You will be attacked by the devil, often through a person, and you may be hurt, but it won't kill you. Because God says that he will guard your heart with the breastplate of righteousness. First, you put on a belt. Then you put that on. Let's see what does scripture say next. 15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Here we go. This looks pretty biblical here. You are in some sandals here. I got, te- this is your Jesus sandals. If Jesus wore Birkenstocks, um, uh, I don't know. So now some would will translate it sandals, some say boots, but really what we know is that the Roman soldiers wore a half boot. And what would happen is it would get real strappy right here. And when they would put them on, the shoes would do two things. The first thing it would do is it would make it so you can stand your ground. So if you get hit, if you get pushed, it's going to help you dig in so you are going to be able to not get easily knocked over. That's the peace. The peace is the ability to stand there. But the second thing, the second thing that sandals do is it tells you that you're about to go somewhere. You're about to be sent on a mission. We are going to be forward-moving towards the enemy. We are going somewhere. You see, my friend uh, Jansen, he and I were in a book group, and what he would do is he would keep his running shoes right next to his bed. First thing he'd do when he wakes up in the morning is he'd put on his shoes to force himself to go on that run. He said it became such a pattern and a habit in his life that the moment he laced up those shoes, the moment he would loop, swoop, and pull, that moment what would happen? His heart would start beating faster. Why? Because subconsciously, habitually, he knew that once he put those shoes on, it was time to run. And what I believe that God is telling you is that the peace that comes from the gospel allows you to stand your ground unafraid of anything and prepare you to start taking ground. What we're going to see in a second is how the armor goes from just being defensive to being forward moving to help you move forward. Let's take a look. So we've got a belt. We've got a breastplate. We've got shoes fitted with the gospel of peace. 16. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, when you think of a shield, this is probably what you think of. Chris, can you put this thing on? Boom. When you think of an arrow you, or a shield, you probably think like that. And uh, when I go to attack you, you can't, oh, ooh, he's quick. Look at that. You know, when I go to swipe, you go, oh, ooh, very nice. When I hit, oh, oh, dang, that was really impressive. Now, if this is what you're thinking about this ability like to, to see the attack coming and defend yourself with dexterity, you would be mistaken. You see, the Roman 
army was did not known for their shields like this. They were known for a formation known as the phalanx. And in the phalanx, it was the, it was the military tactic that the Romans used to take over the world. Essentially, they would stand with a row of big shields in front, essentially full body shields that they'd use so they'd move arm in arm and move forward. So let me show you what this might look like if I can lift it up. This looks a whole lot more like what it was. The shield and it would be two layers. Uh, the first layer, again, was like the final layer of protection. And the first one uh, was prepared. It's actually, they knew that as the uh, soldiers marched forward, that arrows would come. But it was so thick, it could not penetrate. It was so big that it would also protect them and it protect the people behind them. And so what, you, what I want you to imagine in the Roman phalanx is, is the people in front would have one of these huge shields and someone behind them would have a long pike. They started at six feet and then they were eight feet and then they eventually became 10 feet long. And essentially what they would do is they'd go behind them and they'd be able to stick them. But I want you to have this picture, friends, that when you have this shield, the shield does not make you a great one-on-one warrior. Quite the opposite. The strength of this shield is imagine soldiers linked arm in arm, moving, marching, going forward together. When God says that you have this shield, it says that you will be together and you will be forward moving. Together and forward moving. Take a quick look at this armor. Go ahead and uh, turn around if you can. If you notice, if I come from the front, boom, but in the back, Bam, he's got nothing. So turn back around. What I wanna tell you here is the reason that all of the armor of God is forward facing is because there's two assumptions. One is that we are on mission together, moving forward to take enemy from, or to take, to take territory and take back things from the devil. But there's a second piece. There's an assumption that someone else has got your back. You see, life community, one of the things that I'm afraid of is in this time, we feel like no one's got our back. Everyone disagrees with you. You don't know how to live in this world. Your family's disagreeing. Even churches are feeling like, oh my gosh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But what I want to tell you is life community, I got your back. Life community, what I want you to know is that our pastoral staff and team, we got your back. And we just want to ask you, say, do you got my back? Are you with me? Are you moving forward? Maybe just in the chat, say, we got your back. And look at each other and see those names. Look at those voices that they've got your back too. We cannot do this together. Or we cannot do this alone. We must do this together. So, we have a belt, a breastplate, shoes, Shield, and let's see what's next. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. All right, let's see how good I am at crowning you with this helmet. Here we go. Boom. How's that fit? Good. What is this? What a 
does the uh, helmet protect? Your head. Maybe the most important part. Uh, see, and I want to say, in this moment, in this season of life, at least for me, the most important thing for me to protect is my head. Because I'm hearing voices from every single side trying to get in my ear. In one ear, boom, I hear one thing. In another ear, boom, I hear another. In this ear, it's this. In this ear, it's this. In this verse, oh, it's the Republicans' fault. Oh, it's the Democrats' fault. Oh, it's Trump's fault. It's Newsom's fault. Oh, you should all do social distancing so we keep grandma alive. And other people are like, oh, no, we got to open up the, the store so the people who are in the service industries who are living paycheck to paycheck, we got to help them. What do we do? Back and forth. We got to cure. We don't got to cure. Back and forth. Back and forth. And I just want to tell you, the devil's trying to get in your head. And in this season, friends, I want you to protect your mind. And I don't want any single one of these ideas to take you off. I'll tell you, every single day, I feel like I open up the news and read a completely different opinion than the day before. And friends, in this time, what I rely on is the truth of God, the salvation of God, the word of God. Why? Because I believe that this is the mind of Christ. This is my guidance. This is the one thing that doesn't change. And when I rest in my salvation, when I rest in the truth of scripture, what happens? I don't feel... (laughs) I got you that time. I'm sorry. Here, put that uh, shield down. That one's too big. I'm saying in a silly way, but I want to make a serious point that there's a battle for your mind. There's a battle for your mental health and there's a battle for truth and the devil is going after it. So here is why I think it's important that God's not only given us the belt, the breastplate, the shield, the shoes, the helmet. He gives me a weapon. Read this. It says, take with it the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You see, as I look at this, I realize it's actually kind of sharp. It's kind of heavy. It's made to cut. You see, when I was taking cooking lessons, what what I used to do is I'd come and I would chop things. And what happened is my uh, cooking coach told me that I was going to hurt my arm by chopping and using too much. But the other thing I was going to do is I'm maybe going to chop my finger off. Why? Because I was trying too hard. My cooking coach said this, if you have a sharp knife, just let the knife do the work. They said, go ahead and curl your fingers under so they don't get, get cut. Put the knife right next to it and just kind of run it back and forth and essentially just let the knife do the work going back and forth. And what I want to tell you is the word of God is so powerful and so strong. You don't have to learn how to use it perfectly. You don't know how to defend yourself. All you've got to do is trust that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It can separate bone from marrow and the word of God is powerful enough to do what it's supposed to do. How powerful is the word? Well, when we go all the way back to the beginning of scripture, what do we see? That the same, that how did God create the world? With his word. His words were powerful enough 
to create the universe. His world is powerful enough to change the course of human history. His word is so powerful and he puts it in your hand. Not to hurt people, not so that you feel like you're the owner of truth, but that you can be sent on mission to destroy the devil. Just as we saw two and three weeks ago that Jesus fought the devil with what? The word of God, his sword. And if you're just a casual reader of this text, you may think that we're done here. This is the last piece of armor, but there's one more. 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions and pray, I'm sorry, on all occasions and all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for the saints. What is the last thing that God tells you to do? What is the most powerful piece in the buildup What is the most powerful tool that God gives us? Prayer. You see, what happens, there's something powerful when a soldier who's decked out in all of this stops and bends their knee and prays. What happens here? There's this moment where the soldier realizes that he is not the general, that I am not the general, that you are not the general, but there's a general in heaven. And when we pause to pray, we realize that we do not set our own instructions. We don't set our own battle plans, but we stop and we listen to God and we receive his power. What's the most powerful thing he has is the sword? No. Is it, is it, is it the strong helmet? No. Is it, is it the shield? No. What is the most powerful thing? It's his bent knee before God. Cause then God comes and what happens? He gets really close. He gets closer than the breastplate, closer than the sword, closer than the shield. So close that his power is one with you. He puts his word in your mouth. He puts his breath, his Holy Spirit, his power in your lungs so that every word you speak is full of love, is full of power, is full of truth. And he comes and he whispers, he says, I love you. I'm with you. No weapon formed against you will prosper. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You are an overcomer. And has you pray a little different. You see, when I was told to pray as a kid, I was told, bow your head and close your eyes. But what does this prayer look like? Yeah, it's on your knees. But it says, pray and be alert. Pray with your eyes open. Why? Because Jesus can go, hey, you see that? You see that hurting person right there? You see that person who's hurting? You don't know their whole story, but what you don't, what you do need to know is their whole story is about to change. So with your eyes open, with your listening to me, with my guidance there, go and fight that battle because the devil's messing with them. And I'm gonna use you. You are gonna be my soldier. You are gonna go and liberate hostages who are in bondage to the evil one. Prayer is our most powerful weapon. And prayer of all the things listed is the one thing that we can control. Prayer is the one thing we can control. 
Okay, let me explain that. Chris, go ahead and take that off. Give Chris a round of applause. Give him some, give him some clap hands in the chat, chat or clap emoji things. I'm not a very good millennial. I don't know how emojis work, but just clap for him in the chat. Send him some love. Send him a text message. Send him a gift card. I said something that I feel like needs to be unpacked. As we wrap this up here, I have two final thoughts for you. I said that prayer is the one that you can control. Why? Because everything else is a gift. The belt of truth is a gift. The breastplate of righteousness is a gift that God gives you. You didn't get it because you were smart enough, because you were strong enough, because you trained enough in his army. Every single one of these pieces of armor and weapon that God gives you is a gift. The breastplate of righteousness, how'd you get it? Through your righteous action? Through doing the right things? No. Where does our righteousness come from? Where does our pure heart come from? It comes from the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus who on the cross, after living a perfect life, after living the one and only righteous life in human history, what did he do? He transfers his righteousness to you so that you are clothed with his breastplate of righteousness and you've been given a pure, redeemed, cleansed heart. The helmet of salvation? Just flip back two, three, four chapters earlier. In Ephesians chapter two, what does Paul say about salvation? He says that salvation is a gift. It's God who gives the gift of salvation and it's received by faith. Why? That way no one can boast of their good deeds. It's a gift. So friends, what I wanna warn you about is when we use this this imagery of battle, when we have this idea that you are equipped, what I'm afraid is that you think that you're equipped with your strategies and your ideas, that it's your strength that gets you through, that it's your power, it's your craftiness. But what I wanna tell you is all of it's been given as a gift to you. New life and new power in Jesus is a gift for you. But let me be clear, the gift that he gives you, it's not for you. You might be confused, let me, let me be clarified. This is the last thing I wanna say this morning. He gives you the gift, but the gift isn't for you. The gift is so that you can go and stand strong against anything the devil throws at you And you can defeat the prince of darkness in all those little pockets and places in this world where there's darkness and the Satan seems to reign, where Satan seems to be in control, where Satan seems to be in power. You have the ability to penetrate and defeat him because of the gift and the power and the armor and the truth of God. You see, friends, we did this series entitled There is an Enemy because we believed that we are seeing evil and division and racism and all sorts of unspeakable evil in our world today. And I was just hoping it would be more obvious than ever that there is an enemy. But I also said it not only so that you wouldn't be defeated by him, but because you would know that there's a fight and you can be a part of it and you can win it. 
Friends, we are seeing, we are living in a fight, and it's not only a fight against disease, and that is significant fight, but there's, a, there's a, 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 it's not just about disease, but we're fighting darkness, we're fighting depression, we're, we're fighting divorce, we're fighting division, we're fighting all of these demonic forces, and what we've got to do is we got to stand up arm in arm, we got to be the church, we got to be on mission, we got to be a, a, the battle, we have to be the embodiment of love, being side by side, shoulder to shoulder, I got got your back. You got my back. And we go forward. Why? Because the devil is wreaking havoc and it's time to take territory back. You see, friends, I want you to get dressed up in the armor of God. Not so that you can look shiny. Not so you can be like one of those guards at Buckingham Palace who seem like they're just there to look the part. No, 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 no. I'm telling you that we're living in a fallen and broken world and lives are being ripped apart by the schemes of the devil. And what God has said to you, he said, hey, take the sword. Why? Because you're going to go rip the devil apart. Your truth is going to penetrate the lies that the devil is using to divide us, to destroy us, to rip us apart. So Life Community Church, I want to tell you that you have an enemy, but you can defeat him because he's already been defeated on the cross. Friends, it's up to us to live into this victory, to see darkness in our schools, in our homes, in our community, to see the darkness defeated. Life Community Church, what I want to tell you is that we need to be a church on mission together. You've been called. You haven't been drafted and forced into it, but you've been invited into the fight. Will you put on the armor? Will you take up the sword? Will you put on the shoes and march forward into the victory that God has given you so that people can be set free from the schemes of the devil? Will you fight with me? I look forward to fighting with you. Let's pray. Lord God, we confess that many times we have not worn the armor, we have not held the sword, and we have fought against each other instead of against evil, and we confess that to you. I pray for folks who feel wounded, who feel like the battle and the schemes and the evil one or the people around them have hurt them in such a way, and I pray that you'd heal them. I pray that you'd be a medic on the battlefield and that you would repair their wounds so that every single one of us can rise up together and don the armor and carry the sword and move forward in the mission that you give us. I pray that we'd be a people who are empowered by your Holy Spirit, who live in the truth of your word, who are protected from the schemes of the enemy and never sit back casually and just watch it all go down in front of us, but that we would feel like we have a place in the fight. I pray for folks who don't realize they have power. I pray that you give them the courage to know that they're empowered by your spirit. I pray for folks who have been hurt or maybe they've been hurt by someone else in the battle and I pray that you'd heal those wounds. But Lord, I pray that as we pray, that you'd open up our eyes, that we'd be alert to the ways that the devil is destroying lives and it would so break our hearts that we'd have no other choice than to join you in the battle for the rescue and the redemption of the entire world of every human heart, of every corner of the globe. Let us live in your victory together. Lord God, we thank you for the invitation 
and pray that you'd empower us to move forward together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.